Well, morning, everybody. Just got uh, a couple of notices. The first, just to say, it's we we have Becky and our baby Arlo here. So um, good to see you. Uh, good to see you both. And uh, it's Arlo's um, first service with us. So uh, lovely to have you uh, with us. And uh, wherever you're joining us from, you're very welcome. Good to see you all again. Um, just have one uh, notice. Um, as a church, we give out um, free magazines to our community. They're these um, Hope uh, magazines. And uh, they're produced by Roy Crown's uh, organisation. And at Christmas and Easter, we, we go around uh, local roads and we post them through letterboxes. Well, back in Easter, we couldn't do that with uh, with, with lockdown, but we are doing it at the moment. And we have a number of them still sitting in the church, um, waiting to be delivered. So if you're, if you're um, happy to, to just go and put uh, magazines through doors and pray as you do it, that people would read them and respond to them. Um, there's a number of roads that we still uh, need covering. Um, Hayden Court, Mayfield Close, uh, Park Close, Homefield Place, Inglehurst, Eden Close, Wingfield Close, the Paddocks, Brayside and Broomfield Road. So if you could do one of those roads, that'd be really great. Just um, let Evelyn know or Noel and Pauline who are organising it and uh, you can come down to church and collect uh, the magazines and at the time that suits you, um, just go and uh, put them through the doors. There's no need to knock on the door, it's just literally put it through the letterbox and pray uh, as you're doing it. So if you could do that, just let Evelyn or Noel and Pauline know that would be fantastic. Thank you. Over to Steve. Well, good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all this morning. Just give me a wave if you can see me. I did have a few internet issues. It was a lead that didn't come in properly, so I disappeared for a while, but I'm back here now. Um, just a reminder that um, if you'd like prayer after the service, it's my phone to call. So 07941 That will also come up at the end. Um, so hopefully, like I say, if you want to, if you want to pray for anything, we will put you into a prayer room and be able to um, uh, match you up with somebody from the prayer team. So are we all looking forward on this wonderful blustery day? Feels like a Winnie the Pooh day, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a very blustery day this morning. Um, and uh, it, let's just let's just pray as we come to, to, to meet our God this morning. Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace, for your love for each one of us. We want to just bless you this morning. We want to just come into your courts with praise, with thanksgiving, with our hearts full of joy and expectation for what you're going to say to us this morning. Um, the praise that we're going to give to you, our amazing saviour. And so, Father God, we just ask, Lord, as we come together, let us just be joyful in our praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start by singing, How Lovely Is Your Dwelling Place. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, my soul longs and even faints. Satisfied within your presence, I sing. Beyond. 
of everything, no other god or king is like you. Powerful and strong, your tender is your song to me. Knowing the extent of all my sin, however could you be pleased to pour your love on me? Lord, you are an amazing God. Lord, you are an amazing God. Lord, you are an amazing God. And I love you. I love you. You light up the heavens with just one word. Measure the mountains in your hand, yet you treasure the broken and make them whole. You crown us with your love, Lord, you are an amazing God. Lord, you are an amazing God. Lord, you are an Before we sing our next song, um, at the end of it, we're going to have an open prayer time. So um, once we finish singing the song, then um, if you want to pray out, then just unmute yourself. But remember to mute yourself afterwards. OK, thanks. Spread your wings of mercy over me And guard my heart with true humility No shadow of the darkness pressing in Only the holy overshadowing Underneath your wings Overshadowing No refuge will I seek but God alone No high 
hiding place save only at your throne only the cross the blood to wash my sin only the holy overshadowing underneath your wings overshadowing you are my shield and my glory you are the lifter of my head and though the storms may the holy overshadowing No burden on my back too hard to bear Only the easy load you bid me wear Until these troubles pass my heart will sing Praise for the holy overshadowing Underneath your wings Overshadowing You are my shield and my glory You are the lifter of my head storms may rage around me, I'll be safe within, beneath the holy overshadowing. feel led just unmute yourself and uh, please just pray out your prayers of thanksgiving before I go.
Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Lord, we thank you for your holy overshadowing, that we can rest and find refuge under the shadow of your wings. We just thank you that you are the God who is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. And we pray that this morning as we gather together that you would strengthen us and that we would know that refuge, that holy overshadowing, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we uh, bring to you our student population this morning. Uh, we remember especially those students known to us, uh, those that we have glimpses of on the television, uh, and the wide body of students all around this country. Father, we play, pray for clarity for them, for how they're going to proceed, and care for them, for those who are now locked in their rooms. Uh, this we you know would not be the start. Uh, they would have wanted, or we would have wanted, in fact, uh, for uh, a new part of their life. So we ask that you will protect them today, wherever they are. May there be enough care for them, enough food supplied for them, and just a really a wide understanding of what they're going through. Uh, Lord, this might well be the Sunday that those who uh, claim you as their Lord and Saviour would have found a church um, and that is so important as our young people go away and this just cannot happen and so we pray Father that there will be other things uh, in their lives that will encourage them that will support them. Father we look to you in Jesus name. Amen. The Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Praise the Lord. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen.
And so we praise you, Father, that we have an amazing God that we can come into your courts with thanksgiving and praise. We thank you that you have um, everything under your control. You are sovereign, you are Lord. Even though we're going through dark days, through crisis, through coronavirus, um, Lord, with turmoil in our country, Lord, we know that you are still in control. We know that you are still sovereign. We know that you're still Lord. And we do lift those in our fellowship um, and in our community who are struggling at this moment with physical and mental issues. Lord, we just pray for them, Lord, that you would just be with them. Those that are lonely, those that are oppressed, Lord, those that are hungry. Lord, we just pray that you would just be with each one right now. Lord, be their comfort, be their shelter, be everything that they need at this time. Lord, we know that you can do more than we can ask or think. And so, Father God, we do pray this morning that you would just be with our community, with our church, with those that aren't able to join us on Zoom, for whether, whether it's technical reasons, Lord, or whatever. Lord, we do pray that you'd be with them. So those that are shielding because of health issues. Lord, we just pray that you would just be with them and just help them. Um, and so, Father, as we continue on with their service, Lord, would you just continue to pour out a blessing this morning? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now we have the, the, the joy of, of Mark's um, all-age talk. Hi, everyone. Me again. Today, we're looking at work and why we should work hard. A little bit later on, Martin is talking to us about the wife of noble character from Proverbs 31. So I thought I'd briefly tell you the story of the only other lady in the Bible who was described as noble. And that's Ruth. Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, lived in Bethlehem with their two sons, Marlon and Kilian. But there was a devastating famine, so Elimelech decided to move his family to a place called Moab, where there was no famine. The famine went on for many years, and while they were in Moab, Elimelech died. But Marlon and Kilian both got married. Kilian married Orpah, and Marlon married Ruth. A little while later, sadly, both Marlon and Kilian died as well. Naomi and Ruth and Orpah were left with no one to look after them. But Naomi had heard that the famine back home was over, so she decided she would go back to Bethlehem. She told Orpah and Ruth to go back to their families and to find new husbands because they were still young and beautiful. Orpah did what she was told and left. But Ruth would not leave. She loved Naomi and said to her that she would go with her and look after her. Naomi tried to persuade Ruth to stay in Moab, but Ruth was determined. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you, she said. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Ruth had committed to being part of Naomi's family when she married Marlon, and she was going to honour that promise. 
So the two ladies set off for Bethlehem. When they got there, they returned to Naomi's old house. But they didn't have any income or any way of getting food. It was the time of the barley harvest. So Ruth said to Naomi, I will get us some food. Let me go and gather grain in the fields when it's been dropped by the harvesters. Naomi replied, thank you, my daughter. Go to the field of my relative Boaz. He will look after you. So Ruth went day after day to Boaz field and gathered barley that had been dropped on the floor. Boaz soon noticed Ruth gathering grain and asked one of his men, who is that? He said, she is a Moabite, the daughter-in-law of Naomi, who has just returned from Moab. Boaz watched her working hard every day, looking after Naomi, always in good spirits. She didn't moan or grumble, but was happy to serve Naomi. Boaz told Ruth not to go anywhere else to gather grain, but to stay in his fields and to help herself to food and water whenever she was hungry or thirsty. One evening, Naomi said to Ruth, you do know that Boaz is one of our guardian redeemers, don't you? Now, a guardian redeemer had a duty to look after the women of the family should anything happen to their men. And Boaz was a relative of Elimelech. Naomi said, go and lie at Boaz's feet tonight when he is sleeping. Ruth did as Naomi suggested. And when Boaz woke up in the night, he was really surprised to find Ruth lying at his feet. Ruth said to him, cover me with your blanket, my guardian redeemer. This was like a proposal of marriage back in the day. It was an old Jewish custom. Boaz was overjoyed. I've seen all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. This kindness, however, is even greater than that. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character, so I will do for you all that you have asked. The next morning, Boaz went to see the elders. He told them that he was going to marry Ruth. Ruth served Naomi in humility and love. She honoured Naomi in her service, and through her hard work, she was recognised to have noble character. And Boaz loved her. So Boaz and Ruth were soon married and had a son whom they called Obed. In time, Obed also had a son, which he called Jesse. And guess what? Jesse had a son. Jesse's son was called David. The same David that we looked at last week, the third king of Israel. 
it's amazing where a little hard work can get you, isn't it? So just like Ruth worked hard, we should work hard, but not only for our bosses or teachers at school, although that is really important, but we should recognize that as we work and study, we are also serving God. When we work hard, we bring glory and honor to our loving Father in heaven, just as Ruth brought glory and honor to Naomi and to God. Colossians 3 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Thank you. And now I'd like to just hand over to, to Marilyn because she wants to bring a testimony to you. Thanks, Marilyn. Hi. Okay. Um, I've been asked to give a testimony on using your gifts um, and skills for the glory of God. Creativity. What a beautiful word. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in this lockdown time we have had more time to be outside and enjoy all of God's creation that it is around us including the deep blue skies bright colored flowers and amazing sunsets I just love to be creative and I do believe God gave me that gift for a purpose so I use it to make banners to go up in church so that people can see and read God's powerful word my mum and dad were also a part of this. Mum was a milliner. She used to make hats and was very good at sewing. My dad was a printer with beautiful script handwriting and he used to draw out on paper and paint mission posters for church. So I grew up with the perfect, perfect ingredients of loving fabric and lettering. The Lord gave me the gifts and skills needed and a passion for making banners. Why banners? They have the word of God on them. And as we know from Hebrews, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So what better way to sit and meditate on God's word? Blessed is the man or woman who meditates on the word of God. What an encouragement to us. How do I start to make them? I do believe they have to be from God. Then they will speak to people as they focus on them and the Holy Spirit reveals things to them. Prayer is the main key for me to start a banner. And when it's just a verse of scripture, that takes longer to know for sure how it will look right. So lots of drawing out time then. But sometimes the Lord just gives me a verse and picture and I have to write or draw it straight away or I forget detail that is important. So if you see me suddenly dive in my bag for paper and pencil in the middle of a song or a prayer time, you know why. And no, it's not something I forgot to put on my shopping list. I can't tell you how excited I am at this point. I can't wait to get started. I draw it out on paper and colour it. 
then choose the right font for the lettering and work out the correct size of each word. The choice of fabrics, whether they are patterned, plain, shiny or transparent, makes such a difference for the background and the lettering or the picture that goes on it. It must show up from a distance. Many times I have prayed myself round a fabric shop until I find just the right one. It's all very exciting to me. Colours are also very important as they have meaning and significance. I've also painted onto plain fabric to get the right results. One banner, I knew exactly what background was required. And the only way I could do that was to spray paint the whole background. However, it was always too windy outside. So I hung the large piece of fabric up and spray painted it in the garage. And yes, we did end up with a lovely turquoise floor in the garage for a while, but the motorbikes were covered up, so that was okay. <laughs> Do I always get it right? No, but the Lord is patient with me and I get there in the end. One particular banner comes to mind. It was a Christmas banner. This was an exciting one, and it all happened in August one year when Christmas was the last thing on my mind. I was praying about something else and this picture came to me. So I quickly grabbed some paper, well, it was the big back of an envelope actually, and drew it out in rough. When it came time to make this, I drew it out again properly, only I just altered it at the bottom as I thought it needed to be wider to get words in which were wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace but now it looked like the words on a christmas tree instead of a star with the words coming down to the crib and baby jesus that made me think it's funny how we think we know better the lord had shown me quite clearly what he wanted and we often know what is right, but in this case, just a slight alteration makes a totally different picture. Ah, oh, but I had good reason for changing this picture. I thought it needed to be wider across to get the words in. Sometimes we can come up with all sorts of reasons why we choose not to do as God asks, but we are the ones to miss out because God knows what is better for us. Mm. Right. Sermon over, and by the way, I went back to the original God-given design and the words fitted perfectly. In Exodus 35 and 36, about the making of the tabernacle, God gave people the skills to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers and embroiderers, and they were to do the work just as the Lord commanded them. What is your gift or passion that you can use for the glory of God? Many of you are already using your gifts, skills and abilities in various wonderful ways for the glory of God. If you are not sure what your gifts are, can I encourage you to ask God and then use them? Don't lose them. You will be blessed and so will others. Over the last few years, I've also painted some canvas banners 
And during the beginning of lockdown, I finished one of a pair that were to encourage our wonderful worship team and put a song in the heart of everyone who looks and reads the words. It will go up one day when we can return and worship together, praising God. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you so much for that. That's amazing. And, and knowing that there's some banners to look forward to, it's amazing. It's just fantastic. So thank you so much, Marilyn. Um, really, really good to hear how God uses us all in different ways. We're all God's workmanship, um, but to be able to, to be used by him. So now we'll move on to our reading, which is today. Our reading is from Proverbs chapter 31. This is the last in our series that we're going through on Proverbs and we start a new series next week. So um, this is from Proverbs 31, from verses 10 to 31, and it's about a wife of noble character. Starting at verse 10. A wife of noble character, who can find? So I'll stop there. No, no, I won't. No. <laughs> so a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up whilst it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honour her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Let's just pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and breathing and a two-edged sword and goes right down, Lord, into our hearts. And so, Father God, as we come to hear from you now through Martin, Lord, would you just, just bless us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve, so much. And uh, thank you to Mark. I love that uh, story of Ruth. Um, really great retelling. And thank you to Marilyn for a, yeah, a, really moving, um, a really moving testament. It just 
makes me want to get back into church and see these new banners. I can't wait to, to see those. And hopefully um, next month we will be able to begin to have some kind of return, even if it means we stay online and, and offer um, meeting in the church at the same time. That's what we're hoping to move towards. So we look forward to that. Um, but thank you so much, everybody. And uh, thank you for a, a wonderful open prayer time where thank you for sharing scriptures and prayers. That was great. I really, really appreciated that. Um, I wonder what you think of this um, passage. It has the uh, it has the capacity to, to create great guilt in us or a sense of failure, doesn't it? Um, one commentator on the wife of noble character um, describes the passage as an unattainable fantasy about the kind of woman who would make the perfect wife. That's what it sounds like, isn't it? Um, but actually, that's not what really what it's about. It's not a guilt-inducing um, thing for, for women or for men um, to feel deflated. Um, as, another, as another commentator, Ryan O'Dowd puts it, the wife of noble character embraces all the best wisdom for women and for men. So this is a, a caricature or a personification of wisdom as a lady. You remember back in chapter one and right through to chapter nine, wisdom is personified in the book of uh, Proverbs as a woman, partly because the Hebrew noun um, for wisdom is feminine. So it kind of makes sense to personify wisdom as a woman. And you'll notice uh, in the wife of noble character that a number of themes are mentioned, speech, family life, fearing the Lord, business, handling money and wealth, uh, hard work, serving, justice, compassion. In other words, all of the themes that have run through chapters 10 uh, through to uh, 29 come together at the end here and are summarized in this personification of wisdom as the wife of noble character. Um, but why, why use personification? Well, you know as well as I do, if you've, done, if you've read any poetry and certainly if you've read the Bible, personification is a common literary device. For example, in Psalm 19, the sun is pictured as a bridegroom which races across the sky. And it's, the sun is also personified as a strong man. Um, now, none of us would say that the son is actually a bridegroom or a strongman. We wouldn't get confused. We'd know that it was a literary device of personification. And that's exactly what uh, the writer of um, this poem is doing. He's personifying wisdom in a concrete form that we can apply to our everyday lives. I'm kind of grateful for that. I don't know about you, but some um, philosophers write stuff that you think, well, that's just kind of out there. That doesn't mean anything to my life. Whereas, thankfully, the writer of Proverbs grounds wisdom in everyday life, in business, in family life, in marriage, in speech. He shows us exactly what uh, wisdom is like in every day by personifying it as a, as a woman. Um, now, the 22 verses of Proverbs 31 are an acrostic poem, which means that each um, line of the poem begins with a consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, the Hebrew alphabet is composed of 22 letters. Um, I don't know if you've got um, any A to Z guides of London at home, and that, but the A to Z guides of our street maps that are comprehensive. Every, um, if your guide's up to date, every street is covered. And that's really what 
this poem is about. It's saying this is the A to Z of wisdom in 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. In other words, everything in this poem is a kind of summary of all the main themes of wisdom that have come through the book of Proverbs. Having said all that, the passage can be used and is sometimes used to teach about Christian marriage, in particular principles of, uh, for women to use in marriage. Um, but there are some who say that the passage sets an impossibly high ideal for women, uh, Christian women considering marriage. Having said that, we need to remember that the Bible does speak in terms of ideals. Um, for example, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul gives an ideal picture of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Now, is there anybody here this morning who would say that they love in that kind of way? Well, clearly not. Only Jesus could be substituted for those words of love. We could say Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. None of us would dare to put our name where Jesus' name would come there. So it's aspirational. It's something we strive towards. It's an ideal picture of love, which Jesus models, that we're to strive towards. And so rather than feel guilty and deflated about the wife of noble character, we're to remember that ultimately Jesus is the only one who fulfills any of these roles, but we're still to strive to be like him. Um, we are not um, Christians because we live perfect lives. Um, we are Christians because Jesus has lived the perfect life. And by faith in him, we can strive to live a life that grows to be ever more like him because he has made us new creations. He's given us a new heart. He's put his spirit in us. So the Bible sets us ideals to grow to be more like Jesus. And we can do that because of the perfect work of Christ first in our lives, which enables us to go on and grow to become like him. So with all that background in mind, let's take a, a closer look at the ideal picture of wisdom in the wife of noble character. Now we could look at any number of themes here. We could look at her business practices. We will look a little bit at that. We could look at money, we could look at compassion, we could look at justice, we could look at her speech, we could look at marriage or uh, family life. All of those themes are in there, but actually I, I, I wanted to focus today on creativity and work, hence um, Marilyn's uh, testimony and hence the storytelling of Ruth. So first, um, working for the glory of God. Um, a number of verses here talk about the way that she works hard and she gets rewarded for her hard work. Verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. So there's no kind of apathy here. She's, she's vigorous, she's eager. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. Verse 22, she makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Isn't it good that God dignifies business in this uh, proverb chapter? You know, um, the Bible is not afraid of, of people selling things and making a profit. And isn't it good that God um, in this passage makes business a holy calling? Isn't that, uh, isn't that good to hear? 
So those of you that are in the business of making profit, well, God dignifies that and says it's a holy calling because the wife of noble character dignifies it and makes a holy calling. It's a good thing to make money, to make profit, because we can do good to others and make the world a more beautiful place. And she certainly does that. She procures and prepares food for her household, verse 14. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She buys property and plants vineyards, verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Um, in other words, she's an investor. She buys um, land and sells it and then reinvests. She buys a vineyard that will make more money, but also the vineyard provides employment. So this woman considers a field, buys it, sells it, makes a profit, um, gets a vineyard going and provides work, employment for other people. In other words, she doesn't sit on her money. She invests it in order to provide employment opportunities for others and to make the world a better place through grapes and wine. And, and God loves that. Isn't that a good thing to create employment opportunities and to make the world a better place through creativity, whether it be growing things or making things, whatever it is. God loves people who make the world a better place and provide employment opportunities and share their wealth. Um, that's a good thing. And that's something we need to encourage, surely, in lockdown, isn't it? Verse 27 sums it up. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This really is where the Protestant work ethic um, comes from, isn't it? I was um, I was raised by uh, parents who were um, always uh, drilling into us, the children, sort of a work ethic. I don't know. Do you, did you have that kind of background, you know, that get out to work, earn your living, earn your crust, get on with it? So every time I came home from university, I was virtually shoved out the door and told to go and get a job and earn my way. That was just just the culture in which I grew up with. And uh, it, it is biblical. Um, the Protestant work ethic is built there into the book of Proverbs. Um, so the ant is the model of hardworking industry um, uh, in the book of Proverbs. Um, the, hard, the hard work of the wife of noble character dignifies work of all kinds, whether paid or unpaid, um, which brings glory to God. Now, I'm using work in a broad term here. Work could be raising a family, looking after grandchildren. It could be um, crafts and, and uh, creativity that we use uh, for the church or for the community or to bless other people. It could be baking and blessing others through, through our cooking skills and baking skills. Or it could be paid employment or it could be voluntary service in the community. A number of you work uh, voluntarily for Good Neighbours or for Food Bank or for Beeson. All of these are examples of work. Or your work at the moment could be study in A-levels or GCSEs or university. All of these arenas are ways in which we can bring glory to God. Um, God is a worker. Um, in Genesis 2, we see God with his hands in the dust forming human beings and all the beasts of the fields and the birds of the air. God created a paradise for human beings in which work itself was one of the good things 
in the created order. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. So God gave human beings the dignity of working or stewarding his creation. And as we do creative things with our hands, as we serve others, as we make things, as we engage in business practices and make a profit and provide employment opportunities and share wealth, we are following in the image of God who is a worker and who is creative. Um, and God is happy in his work. Genesis 1:31. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Um, and because we are made in his image, our working is a good thing, whether it be cleaning the house, picking the grandchildren up from the school run, baking a cake for somebody, our paid employment, our business, whatever it is, it's good and God dignifies it and he wants it to be fulfilling for us. Um, not coincidentally, most of Jesus' life was spent um, with his hands at the lathe as a carpenter. Mark 6, verse 1 to 3. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he was a carpenter by trade. He knew what it was to get sawdust in his eye. He knew what it was to, uh, to, 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 uh, to cut his skin with the tools of the job. He had his hands um, on the tools. He did, all, he did all of the work that you and I have to do in our lifetimes. Um, and like Jesus in his earthly life, the wife of noble character pursues her work in, in a diligent and praiseworthy way. She does her work with faith, with justice, with compassion and with love for her family and as an act of service for others. She's the perfect combination of faith, intellect and manual skill. Second, working to serve others. Verse 13, she works with eager hands. I don't know if you know people uh, like this, um, who you come across, who, who are eager to serve others. I, it's a joy, isn't it? When you find somebody in a coffee shop or a restaurant or in a shop, um, or in a business who's eager to serve you and do you good brings a smile to your face, doesn't it? I, I love it. I love people who are passionate about their job and who are passionate to serve others. It just brightens my day. Um, and, that, and that's that's the kind of person that the wife of noble character was like. Um, she serves her household. Her household is mentioned four times. Her husband is mentioned uh, three times at the beginning in verse 11. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And then again in the middle in verse 23, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And again at the end in verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. The noble wife embraces her calling as a wife. And if you're married, then your spouse is your closest and most important human relationship. Um, you've become one with that person, as God declared from creation. Um, and just as the wife of noble characters, service and work brought honour to her spouse, so we're in a partnership. Married people, we're not independent of one another. Um, the way that we work and serve others should bring glory um, to God, but also 
means that we're in a partnership. We should work and serve others in such a way that we have respect and honor for the person that we're married to, um, that we're doing it in partnership. These days, work is often pursued as a means of personal self-fulfillment. Now, that's a good thing. Um, it's good to be fulfilled in, in our work and to pursue work that fits with our passions and skills and experience. All of that is a good thing, don't hear me wrong. However, when that's the only criteria for working, we will soon find that we hit frustration. There are aspects of all jobs that are frustrating and mundane and are not ultimately fulfilling in terms of our own gifts and skills. Um, but the wife of noble character models us a bigger motivation and that's working for the glory of God and serving others. Now, gifts and skills are important um, and you know it's good to find work that satisfies those, but even better to work for the glory of God and with an attitude of service. Because if we work for the glory of God and out of a desire to love and serve others, that will get us through the gray, rainy Monday mornings when we don't want to get up and go to work. Do you ever have those days when you'd rather stay in bed? You'd rather not go and take the kids on the school run to the, to the, to the school gates. You just don't feel it. We all have those days when we're not feeling it, don't we? But if we work for a bigger vision, a bigger picture, we will find that the motivation of the gospel and the grace of God carries us through those mundane and routine gray Monday mornings. Uh, folks, I'm, I hate to say it, but there are going to be a few grayer Monday mornings coming up now, aren't there, as the autumn comes in? Um, I love the sun. I love the summer. But boy, as, as autumn hit us. Um, but if you see, if we have a big vision of what we're doing in our baking, in our child raising in our family life in our marriages in our work life in our voluntary service in the church in the community that will drive us on that will motivate us much more than am i fitting my gifts and skills and passions because otherwise we're always looking over our shoulder the grass is always greener you know you find people don't you in life who are always looking for the ideal job or role wherever that should be. If only I could find this ideal role, I'd be happy in my life. Folks, it doesn't exist. It's, it's a case of get on with serving where God has put you and serve with a bigger vision of the glory of God and of serving others in mind. Um, Ephesians 2 verse 8 says that our, our work should flow out of the gospel, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And it goes on, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Are you getting weary in your serving and work in your family, your marriage, your church, your local community? Remember the gospel. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not in order to be right with God. You were put right with God by the perfect work of Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection. And because of the perfect work of God, we are made righteous in God's sight. We are given the Holy Spirit who motivates us and gives us the joy to serve God because we're serving Christ as we serve him and do our jobs and serve others. As Mark shared earlier, Colossians 3 is the big vision. 
Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since the, you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a result, reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. There's the big vision. When we keep this vision in mind, the mundane grey Monday mornings will we'll have a bigger vision to carry us through. We'll work for joy with Jesus as our boss. Um, third, work is creativity. Um, this woman is not plodding away, doing the same things over and over again thoughtlessly. She uses her mind. She considers. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Um, she's creative. She uses her intellect as well as her hands. Um, and the selling of the field allows her to plant a vineyard. And verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable. It's a good thing. Profit is a good thing because it enables her to invest in a vineyard, which create in, creates employment opportunities and more wealth, which can be shared. God dignifies business and profit because it, because it can make the world a better place and provide opportunities for other people. So this woman, through her business, is imaging the creating God who made the world and made us in his image to steward his creation and to do good to others. You know, we human beings are made to work hard and make things. Um, some of you um, uh, are about, uh, not about textiles or food. Perhaps you make words, you create with words. Some of you create with technology or science. Some of you create through a trade. Some of you create through artistic skills and giftings. Some of you create and make the world a better place through sharing your baking. Um, some of you create and make the world a better place by serving your families, um, your grandchildren and so on. Proverbs tells us that hard work of all kinds, willing servant-like creative work brings glory to God and does great good to those around us. And good work brings praise. Um, the poem of Proverbs concludes with praise from the woman's children and her husband. Verse 28. Her husband arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. And this praise broadens out into the community. Verse 31. Says this, give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This tells us that the way that we work and serve others voluntarily or paid can um, can give us a, a noble reputation. Um, just as Ruth had a noble reputation through her faithfulness to Naomi and her hard work, we can gain a noble reputation and bring glory to God. As Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. The way that we work, the way that we serve brings glory to God because people see our diligence, our conscientiousness, our integrity as Christians and God gets the glory. So let's conclude. Living in Christ as the source of all wisdom. The question comes then, is this portrait of the wife of noble character a picture of the church? Well, some commentators have thought so. Is, it, is the church the bride of Christ, the wife of noble character? Um, well, before we get there, we need to remember that the primary point of personification in Proverbs is to ground wisdom in real life living. So the, the wife of noble character primarily is there to teach us how to live wisely in our work, 
family life, with our wealth, our business practices, and so on. But as we've seen in the Bible, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So the life of wisdom in Proverbs is finally and fully a life lived in Christ. So if we want to live a life of wisdom, like the wife of noble character, we need to live a life based on Christ through his spirit within us, but also following and obeying his word in scripture. As Ray Ortland writes, wisdom is the grace of Christ beautifying our daily lives. Wisdom is the grace of Christ beautifying our daily lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that work and service is a holy calling from God. And Father, we're going to take a moment's quiet now just to commit our creativity, our skills to God. And let's just take a moment to say to God, Lord, I give you my, my work, I give you my skills, I give you my gifts, I give you my time, and I commit to using them for your glory and for the good of others. Let's just take a moment to make that commitment before God again this morning. Father, give us the resources through the power of your Holy Spirit to work for your glory and for the good of others. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Um, just amazing to hear that God can do such amazing things with us um, and with our creativity, with our lives. Um, and we're going to finish off with a song uh, that Martin asked for, The Perfect Wisdom of Our God. Um, and I love the, in the last verse, it, it talks about the tapestry of grace. Um, and, you, you know, the fact that we're all strands woven together and working together um, it's for God's glory. wisdom of his ways that mark the path 
of righteousness His word a lamp unto my feet His spirit teaching and guiding me And all oh, the mystery of the cross That God should suffer for the lost So that the fool might shame the wise and all the glory might go to Christ. Oh, grant me wisdom from above to pray for peace and cling to love. And teach me humbly to receive The sun and rain of your sovereignty Each strand of sorrow has a place Within this tapestry of grace So through the trials I choose to say Your perfect will in your perfect way each strand of sorrow has a place Within this tapestry of grace So through the trials I choose to say Your perfect will in your perfect way that if you would like prayer after the service then my number is up there 07941 475680 let's finish by just blessing god father god we thank you for all the wisdom that you have imparted to us during this service this service and this series lord thank you that you give us ideals to match up to lord but you are there with us through your spirits in jesus christ to give us the strength that we need each day and so, Father, as we go into this week, we just pray that your blessing would be upon us, that we would shine our lights out to others, that we would impart wisdom to others. And, Lord, you would just be with us in all that we do and say. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.